Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The little things. I mean, you think it's just all these big things and how hard it is to win. It's really just the difference between winning and losing is so small. Welcome to 94 and More, a podcast presented by Bristol Studio. I'm Jake Fenster, and I'm joined by Vic Law. And today, our guest is Braxton Key. Braxton, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you all for having me, for real. For those people who aren't familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself just a little bit? I'm Braxton Key. Um, I just graduated from the University of Virginia. Won a national championship there last year. And now I'm just declared, getting ready for this draft in a crazy time, but hopefully it'll all work out. What have these last few months been like for you, kind of in that transition period with everything that's going on and so much uncertainty? Uh, it's, it's been it's been hectic. I mean, we finished. Uh, it's crazy that we finished our season. We n- we didn't get to play any postseason games though. No ACC tournament, no March Madness, as you know. Uh, but then from then on, I took about a week or two off because I'm thinking, okay, well, the draft and stuff should be happening pretty soon. And I've been training since then, and then it keeps getting pushed back. So it's been a lot of training, a lot of early mornings in the gym, just working out really and just perfecting my craft and just trying to get better as better as a shooter, better as a player and just uh, working on things that might have been question marks going into the draft. So I'm just trying to be the best player I can be. So it's, it's difficult, but I mean, it's yeah. been a blessing to have this time for yeah. sure. What happens now uh, that the date is finally locked in on November 18th? You know, what uh, what things for you with your training regimen change or stay the same? And, and how does that look as you prepare for, you know, drafting? Uh, it's still, I mean, pretty much the same. Um, just obviously like working out, uh, we're lifting, doing conditioning, uh, just trying to stay on top of things. Cause just as quick as they change it, they could push things up and say, okay, well, we're gonna have workouts next week. So you want to just try right. and be as prepared as possible, um, heading into it. But I mean, it's just so much uncertainty. Uh, right now I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, no. Are you, are you from Virginia originally? No, I'm from Nashville. Just a lot, a lot more access to gyms. Out hey, here, you went so. to CPA, Jay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we played him in, uh, what was that? Yes, sir. Watch uh, out, Jay. Beach ball, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so CPA, CPA is a school in Nashville where you went for high school? Yeah. We played Vic and them in uh, Myrtle Beach, I think it was. They got the best of us. Really? Also, the, the rest of us <laughs> trash, though. So it's, it's we, all we, good, we, though. We don't got to talk. We don't got to talk. That's just straight So tell me a little bit more about that. So you grew up in Nashville, and then you went to high school there? And then you transferred to Oak Hill, right? Yeah, so I transferred to Oak Hill my senior year just to uh, play national schedule and just play national schedule and just be challenged every day in practice and get used to like a college type environment. And what was that one season like at Oak Hill? Was it how how was it different from the previous years in high school? And and just what was that like for you? I don't know if you ever heard or been to Oak Hill, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Like it's on top of mm-hmm. a mountain. There, there's no oh. cell phone service. There's like a line. If you cross like an imaginary line, you like to go to the girl side. You get kicked out of school no matter what. It's I, I had yeah. no idea. Oh no, it's, it's crazy. Wild. It's there's the closest thing to us is like a a Target or a Walmart. It's like 35, 40 minutes away. Like nothing's near Oak Hill. It takes 35, 40 minutes to get some cell phone service. It's it's crazy. What's funny is Braxton. I uh I, for my senior year, I thought about transferring to Oak Hill too. Oh, okay. I like leaving going to one of those schools and the um like what I actually learned what Oak Hill actually was. Took me completely out of the mindset of saying, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick yeah. to Chicago. <laughs> what made yeah, you I'm go? Playing. Like, what, what, what made you just be like, ah, I need to, like, I'm just, I'm just gonna lock in one year for basketball. You know, kind of put everything on the back burner. 
I mean, yeah, obviously when I took my visit, it was a lot different than I thought. Um, but I mean, I, once, once I just thought, you know, coach Smith is a great coach, you know, he's mm-hmm. coached a lot of guys to where I'm trying to get to. Um, uh, and he just knows a lot about basketball and, um, just being surrounded around, around guys who are just, you know, it really the only focus is basketball. I thought it would have been good for me just to get away from, I guess, my school, which was CPA, which, you know, and, and Nashville's not like Chicago basketball. It's, it's really easy. You know, it's not that much competition right. like that. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I just wanted to be challenged for sure. And that senior year, you guys had a record. Is it true that you guys had a record of forty-five and one? Yeah, forty-five and, and one. And you won the national championship, right? What was that experience? Who was on like? that OKL team with you? Harry was on there for for like the first three minutes of the season, and then he got hurt, and then just uh, decided to transfer and just rehab the rest of the year. Um, but Mario Kegler, Lindell Wigginson, Tyshawn Alexander, Hadim Sai, Rodney Miller, Montez Mathis, Devontae Schuler. We, we had a nice little squad. We just played well as a team. Mm-hmm. How, what was that system like? Did you, did you think that prepared you for moving on to the next level? Did you feel like it was really uh, helping you build and grow as a player? For sure. I mean, everything and uh, just coming from CPA, like things were not, I won't say handed to me, but it's just being the biggest guy, most athletic guy, you know, things come a lot easier, obviously, just given mm-hmm. my height and my athleticism at the time. But then in Oak Hill, it just it showed me that, you know, you really have to work. It's the guys that are your your height, your size, that have your athleticism. So it's, it's not just about that. It's not going to get you to the next level. It's, you know, working on your craft every single day and being dedicated. And do you think winning that national championship just helped give you kind of something to fall back on and, and you just understand what the grind is like to, to really take it to the highest level? For sure. I mean, obviously, you, you played it when they get win at the highest level. And I mean, to win a national championship in high school and when we won in college, I mean, it's definitely a blessing. I don't know. I know Oak Hill. I mean, uh, Quinn Cook, he did it when he was at Oak Hill and at Duke. And he won mm-hmm. one with Golden State. So um pays off for sure once you can win a national championship. What was that recruiting process like for you uh, going into Division One? Were you talking to a lot of teams that year? Did you have your mind set up on the place that you wanted to go? Were you looking for specific systems? Um, I wanted to do something different coming out of high school. I don't want to go. I mean, my final six were Texas, Kansas, Virginia, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Um, And I just kind of wanted to do something different. I decided to go with Alabama. I committed early. Um, I just wanted to, I guess, be done with the whole recruiting process. Vic, you know, it's... (laughs) Yeah, it's annoying. It's, 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 it's long. Yeah, it's long. It's annoying. So I just don't want it to drag out uh, any more than it had to. So uh, I just committed early. Uh, fell in love with Coach Avery. Just thought it was, you know, a great fit. Uh, him coming from the NBA. So it was like, okay, someone who knows, mm-hmm. I guess, what it takes to get there. So uh, it was definitely a good, good two years there for sure. And so I know that during the se- one of the seasons you were there was when there was that one game when <laughs> everyone got kicked out and you guys were playing three on five. Can you just explain what happened in that game for those who don't know about it? Yeah, so uh, that I, that game, I um, partially tore my meniscus prior to that game, so I was out. I was just on the sideline, and then I can't remember exactly what happened. It just I think it was like a, one of the dudes had like a hard foul on one of our guys, and then our guy got up, like pushed him or whatever, and then our team cleared the bench, and then their team, I guess, cleared the bench in a way, but their coaches got him back, and um, <laughs> our whole team got kicked out, got kicked out the game, and then I was just sitting there hurt. Just watching the game, and then it was, it was five on five. One dude fouled out, and then it was four on five, and then someone came under uh, our shooter for a three, and he broke his ankle, so he was out for the game. So then we were three on five, and Colin, I mean, he was going crazy that game. Probably helped his draft stock that he went uh, that crazy. Okay. Uh, but he for sure, I mean, he's a dog. I mean, being on a team with him, you just you learn. I learned a lot in that one year, and um, learned a lot in just that one game. Just to see him, oh, him almost will our team to win with three players. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I remember watching that and I, it kind of looked like a joke. 
it didn't seem like something that was real because <laughs> I didn't like know <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. I thought if you I don't have either. five players, you're disqualified. So it was definitely something that, you know, I don't know how many people who aren't SEC fans are watching Alabama basketball games, you know, in California. But I remember watching that and just being like in awe that that could happen and take place in a Division One basketball game. But so what what was it about Alabama that you were there for two years? So what, what did you take from that experience before you decided to transfer to Virginia? Um, just how important it is to be in like uh, an environment that uh, helps you grow um, at Alabama's. Like I said, it was a great two years. I mean, I just felt like personally uh, I needed a little more structure, a little more like discipline, uh, a little more connective, just connectiveness, I guess, in a pro- in a program. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I got in at Virginia. And no shade at Alabama, obviously. I love the place. But I just at Virginia, is just a well-structured or, uh, machine, really. And Coach Bennett runs a tight ship, and it's his way or no way. So, I mean, I just learned right away that, okay, I have to be more disciplined. And it, it, it brought me to be a better player, in my opinion. So would you say, you know, very accustomed to winning and a winning culture since being at Virginia? For sure. Yeah, you, you learn what it takes to win. And, I mean, it, first, Coach Ben always says you have to eliminate losing first. And that, mm-hmm. what, what comes with that is just, you know, taking care of the ball. You can't have, you can't have a lot of turnovers. Uh, rebounding, um, offensively and defensively. And then last is just getting back in transition and getting your defense set. Because once you do those three right. things, that eliminates a lot of mistakes, points, and opportunities other teams but, may not get in a game. So, but outside of just outside of like the X's and O's of basketball, and I think, but I think the three things you said, you know, are very, you know, hit the nail on the head more or less. You know, it's very key in basketball that you do those three things. You know, and those three things more more or less don't take any kind of talent. Those are just effort and knowledge of the game kind of thing. But as far as like winning culture. Mm. and like learning what it takes to win what like what what do you think are your takeaways as you go into the nba like like what what about the virginia mindset are you taking into the league um the coaches just expressed just they just expressed just mainly just the little things i mean you think it's just all these big things and how hard it is to win it's really just the difference between winning and losing is so small i mean college games are so close nba games are so close mm-hmm. talent level is just kind of Everyone's talented at the, once you get to this level, right? Um, but it's just the little things. It's are you going to show up on time to workouts at six o'clock in the morning? Are you going to be a good teammate if you're not playing? Are you going to go to go to class on time? Like it's just all the little things. Uh, they believe that adds up to you know diving for a loose ball or you know can he trust you? If he can trust you off the court, he can trust you on the court type of thing. So right. um, doing stuff like that for sure helps build a winning culture. So mm-hmm. choosing to go to Virginia, you were accepting that that was the challenge from the jump was if I'm going to go to this type of a program, I'm going to commit to those little things that, you know, maybe at Alabama, uh, you weren't being held to that standard. That was something yeah, that yeah. you just from the jump were like, all right, if I'm going in there, that's what we're doing. Yeah, you have to. I mean, if you don't do it, it's just, it's going to be real difficult just because it's just everyone else is doing it. So if you're the only one not, you know, listening, you're the only one not coming on time. Like if, you, if, it's, if it's just, you're the only one, then it just finds, the coach finds a way not to play or and then that affects you know where you're trying to go in your in your career so it's just learning those little things and uh it's difficult for sure i mean it's a pain in the ass obviously but i mean it pays off so you know winning a championship and coach always wins every single season he's the top seed mm-hmm. in the tournament you know top acc team so uh right. it definitely works so let's ask the uh hard-hitting question and let, so let's go back to young braxton right braxton in high school you know highly touted going to oak hill we put that Braxton in today's environment. Are you going to the G League and making five hundred thousand dollars? You going to college? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's tough question. It's just like because you know 
the NBA, just mainly, you know, you have to get your body correct, you know, get the strength. Right. Because uh, you're going against grown men. I mean, it'll be difficult, sure. you know, as 18-year-old, even some 19-year-old kids coming out and playing against grown men. So uh, that would probably be my only thing that I'd be like, all right, well, if I can get a good workout program, then for sure and uh, do the G League thing. But if not, then I'd probably go to college. So, I mean, so just from my perspective, like playing in the G League and seeing, you know, the day-to-day lives of G League guys, had I been Maybe. making five hundred, like you know, from the jump, had been making five hundred thousand dollars, and let's not even say like now, but when I was nineteen, like I, I can't even imagine like how, like what my path and journey would have looked like. Right? I'm saying, and <laughs> college basketball isn't the cleanest organization. For you sure, know, and I'm not saying singularly every program is bad, but as a whole, I think you know there's some things that go on in college basketball that probably isn't allowed. But at the same time. I think those same college programs understand that there are initiatives, and now, especially with the G League competitor, like what young talented kid isn't going to say, "I want to, I want to be seen every day by pro guys. I want to play against pro guys. I'm making money," and on top of that, they're they're also getting a free education like online. So I don't know, man. It's hard to argue with like a whatever college was recruiting me back then would have had to give me a real good like <laughs> like speech or whatever for me to just turn down that no for sure i mean it's definitely difficult i mean especially in college you don't really get really any money in general so it's you know to, to be right. able to get a five hundred thousand as 18 year old kid is definitely hard to turn down for sure and but i feel like to that point it's or up until now where the g league has this team where they'll pay you real money and, you know, to get you in front of the right people, there, there never really was something like that. So it was always, you know, from what I understand, it was go overseas to make your money or you go to college and try to get noticed and, and make it into the NBA. But it seems like this new opportunity kind of creates the best of both worlds in a way where they offer you the education, they put you in front of NBA scouts and they pay you. So I feel like it, it it definitely adds a really tough decision for those players who are, you know, coming up where it doesn't seem so simple between getting paid or getting seen or getting an education. It seems like this is a unique opportunity that no one has really ever had before. No, for sure. And I mean, I think it's putting a, it's put, definitely putting a lot of pressure on the NCAA to um, make something happen because, you know, they don't want to lose. Those dudes are that's money for them. You know, that's that's their revenue. Right. They need, you know, they need the Jalen Greens. They need these type of players to. Uh, being in college basketball so they can make money off of them and uh, profit off of them, their name, their likeness, everything. But they're definitely making some changes moving forward, which is good for the up-and-coming guys, but damn. I mean, being part of March Madness and the tournament and winning, going all the way to the national championship and winning that, I'm sure you could see how big of a business the Man, it's you know, crazy. NCAA you really it's, is. It's, it's, yeah, I can't even describe it. Just Unbelievable. Like, you go to Final Four, you see fans wearing your number, your jersey number, wearing like, your name on your like your face on a on a shirt it's like damn <laughs> it's cool and all you know I, I appreciate the love but none of that's going to my pockets and it's like right. we're only making we're only making a, cer- a certain amount of money like and you know we're bringing like fans from all across the world all virginia alumni everywhere to come to the final four and it's like the people are spending upwards of like 20 20 000 just yeah. for a seat to stay there for so a weekend it's like 50k yeah. yeah so it's like it's just crazy that we don't even see all we get is a ring which is dope but like yeah. <laughs> don't get any, like, the ring um, sounds pretty cool though i feel like that's the thing you, you're distracted by the ring the ring seems like you know the big trophy but then you realize along the way there's so much else that you're not getting a piece of you know it's not being shared equally to the players and the people that are really drawing in those fans and making it possible for a march madness tournament to exist no for sure and then even you know coach bennett got like i think two 
I think online we saw like it was like two million dollar in bonuses, and it's like, damn, that's great. I mean, he put it back towards the program, which is great, but like, but still, yeah. it's like <laughs> two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even sound real. Yeah, it's but, crazy. But so going back to that experience when you first got to Virginia that year, did you feel that something was different about that team from past experiences? Did you feel that you know you guys could really do something special that year? No, for sure. I mean, I, we definitely had the talent, and I think the, it's not just that. I think we just had the drive. I mean, coming off of the year before, losing to a 16 seed, you know, being the – they were the number one, like, overall seed, and then to losing to pretty much the worst team in the tournament um, definitely, like, shot a lot of people's, like, egos, you know. Yeah. Just their everyone's mindset coming into that. That summer was everyone was always in the gym. Like, if you weren't in class, you were in the gym getting shots. You were in the gym doing sprints. Like, everybody was, like, dedicated to their craft and, like, making sure that that wouldn't repeat. And it was funny because on our first round of game that year, we were down by like 16 at one point. <laughs> so we were playing oh, 16. Yeah. Hey, who did you play? Uh, Gardner-Webb. Yeah, Gardner uh, yeah. everyone, like everyone was saying like, let this not be another like repeat or whatever. Yeah, so every, and everybody was getting tense. I was like, damn. It was just, but like I never went through that because I was at Alabama the year before and we, we got out the first round. Which I was joking about. But, you, guys, but like, you can only imagine like that's what everyone's hearing all year. Exactly. The year before they lost they lost. They don't want to say they lost 16 seed. Then you get the same exact experience the next year, right? And you're not. I mean, and no one's saying like, "Yo, like I'm nervous or whatever." But if the game just so somehow works out to where it's like you're losing again, you exactly. know, like now the now the pressure of the world is like going to be on you. And they and were playing like out of their mind. Like they were, it was one of those games. That's that, what I'm saying. They just came out you on know, fire, the, hitting everything. That's what happened in the game the last the season before. Turn just came out hitting. At bullshit, like wherever they want, we're shooting, going in, layup, contested layups, going in, like they're doing everything right, and it just seemed like we were doing, you know, some things right, but everything yeah. for them was going right. So well, I just, I just felt like after you guys got through that mental block of like, all right, now when we beat them, now, now there are no more like lose lose situations. Now we're no, now you guys can play. Now the the air is clear. Now the pressure's off. Now you can just play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now, for you sure. Know, you that skate, was the problem tightest game like we were just like you know just going into it i just yeah. you could feel the vibe that was probably the tightest other right. than maybe the championship game or final four but uh the sweet 16 elite eight all that other stuff was like a cakewalk in terms of our preparation in terms what, of like just not being so like tight what was the message from coach when you guys were down 16 to gardner webb <laughs> like what what were you guys talking about how what was the game plan to, to kind of get back in control just to stay calm and like it's a forty minute game. You just trust the system, trust what we're gonna, what our offense is doing, trust our defense, and it'll like work out. But you could, I could see in some of the assistant coach faces, they they weren't agreeing exactly <laughs> with what coach was saying for sure. So everyone was just a little nervous. I mean, you know, it, that's tough to lose. That's never happened in sports, and it probably won't ever happen again. Like a one seed to sixteen. So it's like everybody's oh, just you, tight. Anything can happen in March Madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, but, I mean. So the, were you at like you were at the all the games when that on that tournament run? The which one championship one? When, uh, yeah, when you when you won championship. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Did Kyle guy get fouled? <laughs> For sure, bro. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you were the you were the NBA. You got to give him a chance to land. No, 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 Am I right? No, or... sure. hey, no. it, it's just funny <laughs> to me because I feel like that was a moment. And uh, when we were in the tournament and we beat Vanderbilt, there was a, a real sketch play at the end where we got a foul call, and you know everyone's saying like. Did he get fouled? And, you know, you're on the bench. You're like, uh, I mean, he did not get fouled. Wait, so what happened again? Kyle got fouled at the end of the game for three free throws, right? 
Three free throws, yeah. yeah. So, like, dude, I mean, the guy didn't really contest. He just kind of came up under him and just, like, hip-checked him. And it's like, I mean, any contact. And Kyle already released the ball, but any contact, like, yeah. they're going to call it. I don't know. I wouldn't what even. round was that he, again? He sold it. He, it was he did. Four, he right? did, for sure. That's final four. For lead final that, four. Yeah. Put us to, that put us in championship. Uh, it was that against, te- you guys played Texas Tech? Auburn. 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 And Bryce Brown, like, closed out. It was, like, off a rebound or something, right? And Kyle, like, sprints to the corner. Oh, yeah. Out of bounds play. It was out of bounds yeah, play. Yeah, he yeah. Threw, we just threw it and to, the, like, we had him wrapped to the corner. He just caught it, turned, and shot, and then dude just kind of came up under. Like, he didn't even put his hand up. He just kind of, like, He just came up that. under, yeah. And stopped. Yeah, yeah. It was a weird play for sure. I, I, I can, you know, just, like, watching and, you know, just kind of being, like, a neutral fan. You obviously feel for Brown. Like, you're, like, you never want to, like, lose on a play yeah. like that. But at the same time, you're, like, if you're Virginia, like, well, I mean, shit, I'm not. I mean, yeah, we'll, I mean, take, we'll this. take it. I mean, we're, exactly, this is, we'll take uh, it. Yeah, this is the best thing we could have got. I mean, it, it's I don't know. We did get a lot of lucky calls, bounces towards the end of the season. I mean, I feel like it was for just destined for us. It was de- it was just yeah, destined. Right. Exactly, it was destined. I felt like at that point, it's just like you know, we went through what we went through last year and then, or the year before, and then I feel like it was we had to win it. Like whether whether it was NCAA or basketball gods, somebody had to, we got a little help from somewhere. <laughs> So what was so that like? Time. No, you're good. I was going to say, what was that like going into you when you win that game and then you're going into the finals? You've made it to the national championship game, something you dream about as a kid, something you've spent the last three years trying to you know, get to and mature to. Then you finally make it. What was going through your head and what was that like preparing for that moment? No, I mean, it was definitely a dream come true. I mean, you know, we all are little kids. Obviously, you know, we play, play, you want to play in the NBA finals and win a championship, but but behind that, it's win a college championship. It's get in the Final Four and do that for, like, your school, for your, I guess, your city, town, wherever you're from. And just, I mean, it was just, it was insane. that Just that whole day, I was just, like, I remember looking out of my looking at my window and I was like, damn, there's all these fans just waiting. Like, it was four <laughs> hours before the bus left. It's wow. our, Like, it's packed outside of our hotel. Like, fans are already lining up. I'm like, dang, y'all can get a drink or something. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely <laughs> You guys are making pressure. me nervous, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure. I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's. I, I wish everybody could experience it for sure. But uh, definitely, I mean, it was it was just crazy to see that you know we're the last team playing in college basketball. You know, you always hear about it. You always watch on TV, but to actually be one of those two teams, it's uh, and then to win it, that was crazy. And cutting down the nets and and just yeah. celebrating in that moment is probably yeah. like, I, I'm sure that's something that you'll just remember for the rest of your life. And yeah, just brought sure. that that group of guys so close together. But man, I, I can't even imagine what it was like to not only do it at the high school level, but then go on to college and do it again and, and have the ultimate success. Is that something that, you know, you take with you and you want to build off of and, and really become the best version of yourself to go into the NBA and try to capture it at, the, at that level? Yeah, I mean, winning is, like I said, winning is the end goal in, in it all. I mean, individual stats, obviously, you know, they're nice to have obviously but um if you can lead, like help do something to help your team win if that means your stats per, your personal stats have to take a hit to help the team win that's what it is and i mean um however i can get a finals i mean i know like i said i know quinn cook uh he did an okay kill he won a, nat- a, a college national championship or a high school national championship college championship at duke and one with golden state so yeah. i don't know many players that have done that at all three levels so i'm definitely trying to be one of them winning is a skill exactly so what was it like before, you know, because obviously you had one more year left after that championship, and I'm sure you guys were talking about repeating and defending the title and all that. What was that like for you guys when you got the call that the season was just over? It just no March Madness, no tournaments, nothing. 
I mean, it obviously sucks. I mean, you, we wanted to obviously get a chance to run it back, and we were, we hit our stride honestly at the end of the season. You know, beginning of the year we lost. Well, we lost Kyle, Ty, and Dre. That that they scored most of our points, and everyone else kind of you know played roles. And we fit. We at first we didn't really understand you know who would take the shots, who would be the, that guy for us. Um, but towards the end of the season, we got a rhythm. We found out you know okay, these guys will bring this to the table every game. This guy will do the scoring for the most part, whatever. But uh, I think we won our 11 or our last 12 and eight in a row. So we were trending in the right direction. And, you know, we we thought when we got to March, we'd be a dangerous team. But uh, it wasn't, I guess, meant to be in the in the cards. So it's unfortunate. We just thought we had a good chance. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. What What's that like for you just as a competitor, just having to accept that? It sucks. I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I think if you – I've thought about it for a long time. I mean, I've had a long time to think about it. I yeah. think it would be one thing. If, it's, if it was just us, I'd be I'd probably, like, a lot more like tight mm-hmm. but like the nba shut down like even the, the whole olympics, world like the yeah world like the olympics hasn't shut down i think the only time another the only other time it shut down was like world war ii so it's like you got to think this is pretty serious if it's shutting down also for this so it's like right i couldn't really be too like upset like you said the whole world shut down like people are stuck at their houses so i mean i couldn't really like at the end of the day you know basketball is a game i love to play but i mean if it's for the betterment of the health and everything then i mean it, i just i understand i guess well, yeah, no, definitely important to have that perspective because I imagine if you don't, like you said, it's something that's just going to upset you and, and bother you. But if you're able to really look at it on the in the greater scheme of things and be like, all right, well, at least we're healthy, at least like we're able to have that one championship that we got. And then now you get to focus on what's next for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's unfortunate, like I said, but I mean, it's got to roll with what life throws at you and just make the best of it for sure. Bryce, what um tell us like what I, I don't want to like you know cut us into a whole different tangent, but you know going with coronavirus, tell us how your uh, pre-draft processes look different than you know the normal you fly to workouts, you know your training, you know, and I, and I feel like and a large part of the pre-draft is just getting ready for the workout and doing mm-hmm. things like that. So, are you like interviewing through Zoom? You know what 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 does your pre-draft look like? So right now, all we can do is interview through Zoom. We can't do yeah. you know. As of today, you can send videos to teams, but up until this point, like you can't even send videos. So teams are just pretty much talking to you based off of what you could, what you did up until March. And it's like, right. you know, guys have had a lot of time working their games and stuff. So it's like you tell teams, oh man, I've got this better part of my game, got this this other part of my game a lot better. But it's like they can't really see anything, and um, so it's right. definitely been frustrating because you know most years, you know, season ends, you probably take a week off if that, you know, sign an agent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will start training and then, you know, you get sent out to workouts with teams and you're traveling pretty much all the time. Uh, but right. we don't get that. So we don't even know if there will be workouts in person. So it's definitely difficult. I mean, we'll see, I guess, how this, all this stuff goes. I mean, I think they're trying to just, you know, see how the, I mean, the bubble has been working well. So just, right. I think when, when that finishes up, they'll focus more on the draft. But I think that for right now, that's the main focus. And we just have to, I guess, we're just all in waiting mode and just kind of see what happens next. And is your agent giving you like a, a range for your draft stock? And if like if so or if not, like tell us like what is your mindset going into the draft and like becoming a pro? Uh, right now, I mean, it's just like I said, it's difficult with range. I mean, you know, we have talked to a good amount of teams. Some teams aren't haven't even looked done the interviews. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's I've talked to a good amount of teams, and there's some more teams I want to have interviews, and it's um, no one really knows because it's like it's based off of you know March, and it's like it's 
no, no, it's it's difficult. You know, it's right. it's really something that hasn't happened before. No team has had to prepare for this before. So, um, but my mindset is just you know getting better every single day. I know eventually though there will I will have an opportunity whether it's if we're having straight going straight into training camp. If there are workouts, if whatever it is, there I will have an opportunity, and I just have to be that much more ready for that opportunity right. than you know many uh, other guys when you have like chances. Okay, if I didn't play good at um i work out with, with brooklyn and I, and I have a boston one next week so it's like this one is like you may have just one opportunity and you have to make it count do you have teams in mind that you think you know obviously you don't get to choose where you get drafted or, or where you end up signing but do you have teams in mind that you think best fit your style of play and, and will just be best suited for you know the longevity of an nba career yeah i mean i, I like I've, i mean watching a just a bubble you know you see like man i wish i could be out there i feel like i could help some teams but uh, for sure. I mean, I I like Dallas. I like what Luca does. I mean, he gives his guys wide open looks, and all you really do is all you really do there is just shoot threes and play defense. So, um, just helping them out, I think that something I could do for them. Um, even Utah, they have a lot of good guard play and a lot of good big play. I feel like they have they don't really have a, a guy who's like a six seven, six eight guy who can defend. Um, I feel like at the next level, it's just being able to defend wings is big. I mean, there's most of the best most of the best players, more talented scorers are like guards the or wing. wing so yeah i mean vic vic can definitely speak to that he's been on the court with what Kawhi and and all like some of the best players the, the, the nba is changing to big guards and big wings who can play multiple exactly and, and i think it's kind of crazy like for like if you're like one of the you know old school bigs like if you're just like a true big you almost have to be transcendent now to like really like you know like if you can't shoot you know what i'm saying like if, if you don't if you can't play five out you almost have to be like, if we throw two, you're scoring every time. Yeah, facts. <laughs> it's crazy the way the game's going. Nah, I know, so it's kind of Houston, all, they don't have a center. They just shoot threes and get layups. That's it. I mean, people's systems are a lot different than what they were probably even five, six years ago. So the game's changing and it's just kind of you have to evolve with it. So where do you see your role in the NBA? Like what kind of where can teams teams plug you in at? Uh, I think right now with my system, I mean with my style of play, it's just three and D. I think um, mm-hmm. you know Virginia, we play a lot of defense. That's pretty much all we do. So I right. think that I mean, and I think that's a big role right now. It's just you know a lot of teams need guys to space the floor on the offensive end. You know every every team has pretty much their playmaker who has the ball in their hand majority right. of the possessions, and then everyone else is kind of you know space. And then on the other end, you know you have to guard pretty much probably the best wing player or yeah. big guard like you said so probably something within that type of role going along with what you just said you know how in this time are you working on improving in those areas are you watching a lot of film and, and on those types of players in the nba to, to learn you know what what you can improve on from the defensive end or how are you going about that um i mean offensively just getting up mash 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 shots and then just working my touch uh finishes for the most part offensively a little bit of ball handling here and there, but for the, main, for the most part, just shooting and finishing. Um, and then working on defense is just doing a lot more like agility drills, and just, you know, trying to quicken my feet just so in case I do have to switch. Because that's another thing in the NBA. It's a lot of switching. There's no one's hedging ball screens or even, I mean, maybe some low shows with a traditional five, but you see, bam, out of bio, stepping switching on, switching on the guards. So it's like, that's where I think where teams want to start moving towards. So as being a guy who's you know, six eight. 230 being able to switch on a point guard or switching on a four or switching on a five i think is going to help me out in the long run so and then i mean i imagine i imagine that's a pretty tough thing to to work on and, and not be able to do that in front of nba scouts to show them you know because it's hard to translate that over an email to be like oh you know braxton's been getting so much better at you know agility and, and these the things that you just mentioned like so how 
in this time is that being communicated uh, by your agent to those teams? I mean, he, my agent talks to uh, teams probably, I'd say a few teams a week. I mean, just teams will reach out to him and just, you know, just kind of talk on it. And he's been at my workouts. He's seen kind of what I work on. And I guess he just tells him what, what I, what he sees. So, I mean, hopefully they're good things, but, uh, I mean, it, it's all just, like I said, at the, at the end of the day, one day I'll get an opportunity and just, I'd have to be ready for it. So I don't know what it looks like or how it'll look, but. Uh, one day I'll get opportunity. What's interesting is uh, more times than not, the teams already know what they want and like what they're looking for. You know, they've seen, probably seen a ton of Braxton, like their scouts and the guys they pay to like do the scouting and analysis. Like I've seen him a ton. You know, right. so, like even like when I was in the pre-draft stuff, a big thing I learned is like the workouts, the interviews, like all of that is just so there aren't any like red flags. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like, they're looking mm-hmm. at you and they want to see you like up close and like live, but more, but most times they already know like, oh yeah, like we see like Vic can be this or mm-hmm. you know Braxton already we know Braxton does this well, like and that's why he's here. We just didn't want to, you just wanted to make sure he's not like you know some jackass who's come here come late, you know, or he's gonna come in yeah. the workout and just be out of shape. You know, they're not they're, they're looking at little things at that point. They're not really trying to mm-hmm. say, oh, can he shoot? Can he you know can he defend? They already know like yeah, this kid's tough. Like he will defend. He played for Tony Bennett. We know he knows some kind of concept of defense. Got you. Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely know more about that than I do. So um, it definitely, but your experience might just be a little different because of like all the things we just talked about, all the hurdles, right? Like I don't even think Braxton, I think you mentioned you can't send film, right? Well, today we can. Oh, you can now. We couldn't. Yeah. Got you. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, if they have the idea, you know, of who Braxton is as a player on the court, they're, you know, all, whatever that is like 90% of the way there. And like you said, the 10% just to see if there's any red flags, but when that's not there, I imagine it's a lot easier for the guys that are the bigger names that, you know, the right. Lamelo balls of the world that already have all that traction from when they were in eighth grade, ninth grade, but a lot tougher for guys who are trying to separate themselves and really, you know, get their name out there in a different way. No, for sure. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even imagine doing my pre-draft stuff now, but like last year, I told you my worst workout by far was with the Magic. And I had, <laughs> when, when the draft was done and the Magic was like, yeah, we want them. Like, I, I'm telling you, when I worked out with Golden State, I was like, man. I, I yeah. called my dad. I'm like, I'd be shocked if I wasn't a warrior. <laughs> I went in there and killed it, did my thing. And then I went to Orlando and played horrible. The worst workout I've had, I had in my 13. That's crazy. And then, you know, it's funny how it works out. You know, there, there's one that like, I mean, you know what? We saw some of it. I guess that's it, right? You just, you put in the work and you just hope that, or you know that and trust that the opportunity will be there. And, and then it's all up to you what you do with that opportunity. Yeah. It's, but it's like what you said, Vic, like, they know what they, what you were doing at Northwestern. They're like, okay, we know what he can do or who he could be. Like, this workout really doesn't. I mean, it matters. They want to see you, like you said. Make yeah. sure you're on time. Unless, unless you, you just, time. like, kill it or, like, are just horrible. You know, you know their opinion is going to really stay the same. Braxton, what other goals do you have besides playing professional basketball? Obviously, you're just getting started, um, you know, getting ready for the NBA and, and hopefully a very long career. But are you thinking about other things that pique your interest that you want to do alongside playing the game? Uh, I mean, I definitely want to do something that impacts the world. Uh, I'm not really sure. Like, somehow starting, like, a foundation that somehow impacts the world. Not, I've thought about some different ideas with it, but uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't want to commit to one yet and then just be stuck with it. But um, doing something that impacts the world helps people that, you know, may not have as much of the opportunity as, you know, that people of 
you know, an NBA player or other people that they may have in this country and even outside the country. So figuring out ways to, you know, help others out for sure. Is if this is the man, let's get let's get to know Braxton the person. You on two K? Like what's good? Like what, what are you doing outside of basketball? Outside of basketball, uh, a little two K here and there. I've been I've been off it for a while. I mean, I'm just you know focused on everything else. Grinding, but uh, right? Right. yeah, but I actually just read a book, uh, The Alchemist. It's um, mm-hmm. really good. I don't know if y'all are into books. I've heard of it. But yeah, definitely read that. That's a a really good book. So are you um, a big reader? I just started honestly. Okay. <laughs> this, uh, over over quarantine, I've just been reading a few like self-help type books just to stay focused stay positive and uh, stay motivated i guess throughout this whole process we've been doing some yoga some meditation been reading the bible a lot more um i've actually i'm starting to learn how to cook so there you go uh, you, you didn't know how to cook and you're from quarantine skills not nashville right you're where in tennessee you're from i'm from nashville yeah and you don't know how to cook i mean i can make a few things i don't say like i'm starting from ground zero i'm just trying to make well, I mean, can, harder things can you get out there like, and grill I just made a, yeah, I can grow. I just made a carbonara, pasta carbonara the other day. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm trying to like expand on the simple things that I already know how to make. <laughs> right. That's way better than Vic. Vic can't make anything. Bro, well, that's un, that's unbelievable. No, I'm a great established cook. My, if my mom was on this podcast, she would have told me to cut Jake out of my life for saying that. <laughs> I haven't seen Bridget it though. Anthony, only... Bridget Anthony is not a not a let her kids leave the house without knowing how to cook. I've only she heard it, so I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the home cooked meal. No, that's all, man. I appreciate y'all for real. This was a good time. I had a, I had a great time with y'all. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun for sure. Well, appreciate you appreciate you joining us, man, and good luck to you. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon. And I uh, can't wait to see what happens. For sure. Can't wait to sure. see you in the league, my man. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.